Look around, what do you see? Cars, lots of them. And guess what? They're probably on Auto Trader. Whether you're into timeless classics or the latest trends, did somebody say solar-powered, eco-friendly, vegan, leather-wrapped, aromatherapy-scented, disco ball-equipped, self-driving car? If you see it on the road, you can likely find it on Auto Trader. Big cars, small cars, blue cars, new cars, used cars, electric cars, and one day, maybe even flying cars. With millions of options to choose from, buying a car becomes a whole lot easier. See it. Find it. Auto Trader. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh, there's Chuck, and Jerry's here, which took up an extra couple seconds mentioning Jerry. So let's get to it, because we just wasted some time. (laughs) Yeah, so if you remember about a year ago, dear listener, uh, we did a podcast, a little shorty on the Mona Lisa, Mm -hmm. and we talked kind of briefly about the fact that uh, Mona Lisa's eyes will follow you if you move about the room, like a horror movie painting. And that's the thing. Uh, and we said, I think Josh even said, hey, you know, I want to do a show on that. I like a regular shorty on that. <laughs> that was a great Josh impression. <laughs> he went, hello, love. Let's do one on that. <laughs> Jiminy Crickets. Um, so we did. This is what we're doing right now, Chuck. That's right. The, the, uh, the reason why which will come later in the podcast, but the phenomenon of that we've all seen on Scooby-Doo and in horror movies of moving around a room and the appearance that the eyeballs of a painting are following you. Right. So there's actual, like this is actually a thing, as anybody who's ever seen it in real life knows. Um, but you may not have ever understood why. And it turns out that it's one of the easiest things in the world to understand one of the hardest things in the world to explain for some reason. <laughs> I had a hard time too. It makes no sense whatsoever because once you understand it, you're like, uh, okay, yeah, of yeah. course, that makes total sense. But, like, I even had to go back and add some to this article that I wrote. This is a Josh Clark jam from the How Stuff Works staff writer it's days. It's very How Stuff Worksy too. And I had to go back and, and add something from, like, uh, I think a, a, some art site and another site about – it was, like, a, a forum among painters. There's this one painter's post saying, like, I can't make the eyes look at – the the viewer helped me, and there you know some people kind of swooped in and explained to this one painter how to do it. But it's actually very very hard. But the whole thing is based on um, perspective, and you would not have been able to make a painting with eyes staring at the viewer um, before the 14th century, I believe. And thanks to an Italian architect named Philippe. I'm sorry, Chuck. You want to take this one? <laughs> I was about to say, I mean, I know I'm not sitting in the room with you, but <laughs> Filippo Brunellesco. Very nice. And he was an architect in Italy, like I said, and he was um, in charge of the uh, baptistery. Sorry, Chuck. Baptistery in San Giovanni. Very nice. So um, he basically accidentally figured out perspective, linear perspective in particular, which is in a painting where if you're looking at, say, like a painting of railroad tracks, Um, they vanish in the distance. But if you'll notice, they come together. The reason that they seem very far off and that the the tracks closer to to the the tracks wider apart are closer to you and the tracks closer together are further from you is because it's using linear perspective, which is just all lines in a painting can trace their origin back to a common single point. That's That's the source of linear perspective. Yeah, and it's one of the coolest things in art, uh, the notion that you can draw something on a flat canvas 
and just have those points kind of come closer to each other at the top, and it gives the impression of distance. It's really, really cool. It is very cool. So that's one thing that, that it's like you said, it gives the impression of distance. And before linear perspective came along, um, artists had height and width. And the only way to make something seem further away is to draw it smaller than the other thing you want to seem closer together. And the whole the whole jam just seemed very flat. Like if you think of hieroglyphics, Egyptian um, paintings on, on walls of tombs, that's a, a good example of pre-perspective art. Right. V- very flat and two-dimensional. Yeah. Uh, you can also do some other things to create the illusion of depth. Uh, obviously, light and shadow. Mm-hmm. If you use light, uh, it will demonstrate something, um, a surface's closeness to the light source. And it's going to protrude out and then reflect more light. You're going to use that shadow and the darker areas uh, to denote something that's more closed off, maybe something further away. Mm -hmm. You combine those two things and you're going to have another illusion, that illusion of depth, uh, basically sort of like a, a, a third dimension that's really not there. Exactly. But for all intents and purposes, you have just figured out how to add that third dimension. And it's like you just said, it's really important. It's not actually there. Using linear perspective, using the interplay of light and shadows to to suggest depth, it's not there. Height and width, they're actually there. Those two dimensions are actually present in the painting. But that third dimension of, of depth, also known as length, that is nothing but an optical illusion. But that optical illusion gives rise to another optical illusion, the eyes in a painting following you around the room. That's right. So we're going to take a break and talk how that actually works right after this. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. 
Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, all right. So before we get to how that actually works, we should point out that what you mentioned earlier from that painter's blog or thread or whatever, uh, it is it is a tough thing to do as an artist to paint eyes um, on a human being that look like they're looking at the person looking at the painting. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Like you are basically a master of painting if you can do it without really having to think about it. But it has everything to I've do— I've been trying for years. Are you do you paint? <laughs> no. I'm oh, just okay. I'm I terrible. could see that being like just something I didn't know that you just kind of did on the side. No, no, no. I wish. Um, so if you ever want to try, apparently, Chuck, from what I could tell from this painter forum, we'll call it Paint Chan. Um, they, if you have the the face looking dead on, like ninety degrees from the canvas. Mm -hmm. um, it's much easier to paint the eyes looking out that way. It gets really hard when the head is tilted or, um, uh, yeah, tilted in one way or another away from that 90-degree axis. That's when it gets hard. And it has everything to do with how much of the white is shown, um, how much of the iris is shown, where it sits in the eye, that it's really tough to capture unless the painting is look or the, the subject is looking straight out of the painting. Yeah. So uh, another thing we should understand before we move on to how this little trick works with the eyes following you is if you go, if you move yourself around a statue, mm -hmm. um, a, a sculpture, or if you move yourself around a live human being mm -hmm. and just tell them to keep their eyes fixed forward and you move around them and you keep your eyeballs on theirs, that, that trick is not going to work. Their eyeballs are not going to be following you around the room, nor no. would it appear so from a sculpture, because you are changing your perspective. Their perspective is saying the same, and you're actually, you know, when you round the corner, you go from seeing iris to the whites of someone's eyes, mm -hmm. and then the back of their head, and then eventually back around again. And not only that, you know, you're seeing more iris or less iris or more white or, or less white. And this is giving your brain visual cues about this third dimension. Um, but also the interplay of light and shadow on their face, on their eyes, wherever, are sure. also giving your brain cues too. And it's changing. So it's you're in three dimensions. This, yes. This, the, the statue, your friend who's staring straight forward going like, why am I doing this again? Um, those things exist in the actual th three, third, three dimensions. Um, the painting itself, again, that third dimension is nothing but tricks of, uh, of technique. They don't actually exist in the three dimensions. So when you paint eyes looking a certain way, they're going to look that certain way no matter what. They're right. fixed. They're set. Your brain's not going to get any more information moving around the room. The, you're, you're not going to see more white or less white of the eyes. The irises aren't going to um, change position. They are fixed no matter where you stand in relation to that painting. And as a result, that's why the eyes follow you around. Because if they're painted gazing out of the painting to begin with, they're going to seem that way no matter where you stand. They'll the eyes will follow you around the room from the painting. That's right. Uh, if a person on a painting is painted to where they're looking, not looking at you, they're looking away from you, mm -hmm. it's not going to allow that illusion to take place. Um, and to cap it off, it's even hard to 
have that poem, uh, have that person meet your gaze. Like, let's say someone's painted uh, and they're looking sort of off to the side. Mm-hmm. You can't just walk off to the side to kind of where they seem to be looking and lock eyes with them. There is just this weird illusion of this sort of forever into the distance gaze that happens. Yeah, which really, uh, like re-researching this, and I think admittedly fully understanding it for the first time, has really given me a lot of... um, of more respect for the the craft of painting portraits than I had totally. before. Yeah, because I've never been into portraiture that much, so it, for me too. Yeah, I like a good Rembrandt. Yeah. So, but but I mean, the idea that it's it's really hard to paint the eyes a certain way, and then the fact that when you are painting eyes one way or the other, you're you're locking them in through tricks of perspective using shadow and light and all that. That's, I mean, hats off to all of you painters out there. Yeah, one thing I truly did not understand was this experiment in 2004 from a group of researchers to try and prove this using a mannequin and math. I read this 10 times, and I have no idea what they mean. So they didn't use an actual mannequin. They used an image of a mannequin. So it's in two dimensions. That probably helps. But they used... They used, um, you know, perspective to to make it seem like a three-dimensional mannequin's torso. Oh, okay. Well, that makes more sense. But then they plotted out the different dots, so the dots that should seem further away because the mannequin itself, that part of the mannequin was further away, um, seemed further away no matter where you stood in, in when you were viewing this image of the mannequin. And they managed to basically capture this digitally to prove once and for all this isn't the the eyes following you in a painting aren't a, a trick like it actually is the way that that you're perceiving it they they do seem to be following you around the room it's not like you're going nuts amazing really cool it really is so now everybody knows the eyes in a painting follow you around because if they're painted looking that way you're not going to get any other visual cues suggesting that they're looking any other direction than that way i think we explained it chuck i think so And since Chuck breathlessly said, I think so, that means short stuff is out. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. (laughs) 